Two cool things before we come to the message. Number one, Pastor Marvin announced the friends for dinner. And someone on the worship team said, last year we had someone at our house. And this person came to know the Lord. They're getting baptized in water this afternoon. We think that's absolutely cool. And we got a great, come on, we need to celebrate that. We think that's absolutely cool. And you've got a great opportunity to have someone in our local universities come from another country to come to your home Thanksgiving dinner. So keep that in mind. Secondly, we, we're gearing up for that, that special Thanksgiving offering for the community, not for our mortgage. Last year, you gave $67,000. It went to Vanier Community Church, and we're able to, to get those doors together. This year, you see the insert, three projects. One, Vanier Community Church. We're sending teams there, and we want to help get those stairs rebuilt. Number two, the O Church a Pentecostal church happening for the Ottawa University starting in January. It's being planted, and Pastor Travis Blackmore will be with us on Thanksgiving Sunday. We want to raise the funds to pay for the sound and audiovisual system, and we're believing 32000 for Vanier Church, $28,000 for the O Church. And by faith, I did something pretty cool between first and second service. I went to Arlington Woods Free Methodist Church on your behalf. And the tornado, as we know, ripped off the roof of the Christian Ed Wing. And insurance is covering for the roof. But they are remodeling to make that building conducive for the community and for the next generation. We are not in competition with Arlington Woods. We are in cooperation. Amen? And so I got on your behalf to share some words And pray for pastor and wife, Pastor Mike and Julie, and present them with a $10,000 check for their building program. And we just give God the glory and the honor. Amen. I think that's cool. So I want you to be in prayer what God will want you to do as we prepare for this Thanksgiving offering. How many of you wonderful, good-looking, amazing people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? Ready for God's Word? A shout-out welcome to our online church people in our city nation around the world that have joined in today. Pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of your bulletin, or you can pull it up on your handheld device. We are in an eight-part sermon series exploring the Lord's Prayer. We want God to take us deeper in our prayer life. And we're calling it I Pray. And if you look at Matthew 6, 9, and 10, week number one, we zeroed in on that first phrase of the prayer, our Father in heaven. And we talked about the prayer of connection. And we rediscovered that God is not just our creator, he's our daddy. He's our papa. We can have an intimate connection with God the Father, learning to connect better with Abba Father. Last Sunday, we talked about the prayer of recognition, hallowed be your name. And we're reminded that the word hallowed means to honor, to honor his name. And we're reminded that we don't seek the healing, we seek the healer. This is your moment to say amen. We don't seek the healer, we seek the healing. We don't seek the provision, we seek the provider. But the more you recognize who he is, the more you're positioning yourself to receive what God can do in your life. We don't seek his hand, we seek his face. We worship him for who he is. Today, everybody say today, one, two, three, today. I want to talk to you about the prayer of surrender. And I want us to zero in on that next phrase, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the prayer of surrender. Pastoral team, come on on the platform, because we got a gift for everybody, and we're going to hand out a gift. Don't get too excited. It's really not a lot, but uh, I do have a great big flag. This is the white flag, and back in Jesus' day, and even back in the Old Testament, when a battle took place, and, and, and the enemy was taking over, 
and you were surrendering, they'd put a white cloth onto something and they'd wave the white flag. I surrender. We're not surrendering today to the enemy. We're going to surrender everything to Jesus. So here's the gift. I've got a Kleenex for everybody. Isn't that wow? Aren't I so generous? I am so generous. I went all out. And so a box is going to go to the front aisle, front section, one to the back. And just take one, pass it on. Once it gets to the end of your aisle, put it to the row behind you. If the box is coming from the back, you know what to do. Bring it to the next aisle up front. We can do this. I want everybody today to be holding on to a Kleenex. And the Kleenex today is a symbolic reminder of what you today need to surrender, what you today need to surrender to God. And so we're going we're gonna to wave a white flag today. We're not, we're not surrendering to the enemy because we know that the devil is not in charge of our life. How many people are grateful that God is in charge of our life? Come on, how many people are glad that God is in charge of our life? And my question today is, what do you need to surrender? Your life, your finances, your marriage, your health, your job, your career, your ambitions. What do you need to surrender to God? And so you're going to receive a Kleenex. And I want you just to take one. And I want you to hold on. And I want that Kleenex to be a symbolic reminder of what you need to surrender to God today. Let's come to our notes. Number one. Three, three possible sources. Three potential sources of major stress in our life. I mean, you all know that life can be stressful and things can stress us out. Let me give you some examples. Number one. Uncontrolled circumstances. Stuff happens. Something comes your way. You didn't expect it. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it, but it's come your way. There's a young couple that are colleagues of ours in the ministry. And back in the the 90s, they came as our youth pastor when we were pastoring in Bowmanville. They're now in their 40s. And they're pastoring in a church in Oshawa. And right now, this pastor and wife are sharing with their church that pastor's wife has been diagnosed with cancer. And just a few days ago, her stomach just literally swelled out like she was eight months pregnant, went to the hospital, and doctor gave her the tough news. This is one of those uncontrollable circumstances. But I got a word for you today. It might be uncontrollable to her, but it's not uncontrollable to our God. Amen. And sometimes stuff happens. Number one, uncontrollable circumstances. Number two, uncooperative people. Those are the crazy makers in your life. Those are the people that just... I mean, they make your life miserable. You can't change them. You can only control your action, your reactions, not their actions, not their reactions. And that crazy maker in your life just might be sitting beside you this morning, just saying. That crazy maker might be your parent, your son, your brother, your sister, your boss, your neighbor. I don't know who it is, but those, those, un, those uncooperative people in your life. Then there's number three, that unexplained pain. That pain that you you are walking through physically or emotionally or relationally. And to discover that there's purpose in our pain is hard. To see God's plan in the midst of it. To understand that uncontrollable pain. God, what can I do? And stress can come to our life. And you today just might be walking through a journey of of that uncontrollable circumstance or that uncooperative person Or that unexplainable pain and that Kleenex that I want you to look at right now. Don't blow your nose in it, please. Don't wipe your forehead on it, please. Hold on to it and let it be a reminder of what you need today to surrender to God. What you need to wave and surrender that white flag and present it to God. I want you to write this in your notes sometimes. 
the only solution to serenity is through surrender. And when you surrender, you discover serenity. When you surrender, you discover a deeper measure of peace. Surrendering it to God. Giving it fully over to the Lord. Waving the white flag and saying, God, I give this to you. I give my marriage to you. I don't know what to do. I give my finances to you. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I give my health to you. This disease is, is it's crippling. And the doctor says that it's over. And I want to declare today, it's not over until God says it's over. God gets the final word word in your life. And some of you are walking through an uncontrollable circumstance, or you're facing an uncooperative person, or you're you're walking through this, this incredible difficult pain, and God is saying to you today, the key to serenity is surrender. I want to take you to number two, because I want to talk to you for a few moments about what actually is the kingdom of God. I mean, in this third part of the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What actually is the kingdom of God? So let's go to his word and let's discover three things that God's kingdom is. Number one, write this in your notes. The kingdom of God is eternal. It's heavenly. It's eternal. It is not governmental. It is not institutional. And it definitely is not political. And just for free, let me throw this in the mix. We have an election coming up. You better vote. You better prayerfully vote. And make sure that you set a time to vote. People come to me and complain about politics. I've said it before. The first question I ask is, did you vote? And when people say, no, I didn't vote, I look at them and say, talk to the hand because the face isn't listening. You got to prayerfully vote. You got to prayerfully vote. So the kingdom of God, though, is not governmental. It is not political. It is not institutional. It is heavenly and it is eternal. Look at this screen. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. The kingdom of God is eternal. Number two, I love this. The kingdom of God is transformational. How many people this morning believe one encounter with Jesus can radically change your life? Do you believe that today? Come on, Woodville. Do you believe one encounter with God, with Jesus, can change your life? 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul said, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. People talk, 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 talk. But the kingdom of God is a matter of power. And he's talking about the power that is found in God. God's kingdom can be transformational in your life. One, it's eternal. Number two, it's transformational. And three, the kingdom of God is spiritual. And the kingdom of God is relational. It's spiritual. It's not earthly. It's not worldly. It's spiritual. And it's meant to affect your relationships with other. Paul writes to a church in Rome, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not what you have. It's not what you eat. It's not a matter of that stuff, but of righteousness, a right living walk with God that will affect your relationships. And he said, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I know the answer. Let me ask the question. How many people are grateful for the peace and joy that is found in the Holy Spirit? How many people are grateful for the peace and joy that is found in the Holy Spirit? So Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of God is eternal, transformational, and it's spiritual, and it's relational. I don't have time to walk you through the biblical teaching of the kingdom of God that is yet to come. But the truth is, someday, Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen. I said, someday, Jesus is coming back for his church. Amen. 
And the Bible says that someday we're going to come back with him and he's going to rule and reign, leading in that millennial thousand years. And that's another whole teaching. It's found in Revelation. That's his kingdom that is yet to come. But the kingdom of God that is yet to come, as Jesus comes to earth with his bride, with the church, his kingdom can actually rule and reign in your life right now. And so, number three, where is the kingdom of God? Two things. Write this in your notes. Here's the application. The kingdom of God actually is wherever Jesus is king. And someday when he comes back with his church and he comes back with his bride, he's the bridegroom, we're the bride, the church, and he comes back to earth and he establishes kingdom on earth, the millennial reign. Jesus will be king here on earth. Right now, it doesn't feel like he's in king, but he's the king in heaven. But I want to declare today, greater is Jesus who's in you than the devil that is roaming through this world. I want to declare today that Jesus is still on the throne. He cannot be impeached, amen? He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the bright, he's the morning star. He's the alpha, he's the omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the sweet rose of Sharon. He is the soon coming king. He is the baptizer. He is my savior. He is my healer. His name is Jesus. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God today. His name, his name is Jesus. Wherever you allow Jesus to rule and reign is where his kingdom is. Let him rule and reign in your finances. Let him rule and reign in your marriage. Let him rule and reign in your career. Let him rule and reign in your family. Let him rule and reign in your ambitions. Wherever Jesus is king, his kingdom is manifested in your life. Now I want to give you number two, and this might bring together this prayer. Because number two, the kingdom of God is wherever Ever God's will is done. In fact, when you pray your kingdom come and you pray your will be done, you're praying the exact same thing. Because wherever Jesus is king in your life, that is his will for your life. Are you hearing me today? So today the prayer of surrender is not my will be done, but your will be done. And I've got a word for you today. You've got to surrender it. And take that Kleenex right now and look at it. What is it in your life that you are holding on to, that you've not yet surrendered all to Jesus? What is it that you've not fully released and given to Him? What is it that you need to surrender to the Lord? Serenity comes through surrender. So I want to take you to, take you to if I could please, to the, the final part of this, of this message. And I, I want to offer to you number four, what does it actually mean to pray the prayer of surrender? What does it mean in application when you say, when you say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How can we have heaven's will being manifested in our lives when we're walking on planet earth? How can we allow Jesus to be ruled and reign in our life and be king in every area of our life. How can we have heaven's will lived out on earth today? Four things. Number one, it means, number one, letting go of control. Now, I'm just saying, there's probably many of you this morning, you just might be a control freak. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you just might be a control freak. Go ahead and say it to them. You've been waiting to say that, I know. You just might be... A control, why are you laughing? You just might be a control freak. Now, look this way. Insecure people are controlling people. 
The more insecure you are, the more controlling you become. The more secure you become, the more you become not as a controlling person. And the secret is surrender. Now the challenge is, now follow the prayer. The prayer, the prayer of connection. Our Father who's in heaven. He's, he's not just our creator. He's our daddy. He's our Abba. And when you begin to grow and understand that he's your Abba Father, he's not your absent Father, Heavenly Father. He's not your abusive Heavenly Father. He's not your unconcerned Heavenly Father. He's your Heavenly Daddy, and he loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And as you connect stronger in him, you then move to the prayer of recognition, and you, you hallow his name. Now, I'll tell you how you get more secure in your walk with God is when you begin to truly understand God for who he is. So I want us to put this into practice. If you're physically able to stand, could you stand again this morning? If you're physically able to stand, I want you to stand. And in just a moment, we're going to announce a declaration. And the declaration is, I am a child of God. Now, if I'm the only one that lifts my voice and say it, I'm glad to do it this morning because I don't know about you. I'm glad. I said, I'm glad that I am a child of the living God. How many people are glad that you are a child? Come on, how many people are glad that you are a child of the living God? So I want there to be some attitude in the house this morning. Don't say, I'm a child of God. I am. We could do this as a rap if you'd like this morning. I am a child of God. I want you to lift your voice a lot. In fact, if you're watching on live streaming in your living room, get on your feet in Jesus' name. And say it so loud that we hear you in this auditorium. Are you ready, Woodville? Top of your voice with, with attitude. All that's within you. Let's make a declaration. Now, the declaration is not so God knows it. The declaration is so that you get it in your spirit. And rem- you're, you're speaking to yourself today. You're reminding yourself, I am a child of God. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. That's about 50 of you. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. Let the attitude flow in Jesus' name. You ready? Ready. (laughs) One, two, three. I am a child of God. Let's do it one more time. I am a child of God. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Now, before you're seated, hear it again. Insecure people are controlling people. And if you want that control to be released in your life, that you can fully surrender to God, begin to grow in who you are in Christ. You are a child of the living God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not junk. You're not a mistake. God didn't put you here on earth by action. You're not just filling up space. You, sir, you, ma'am, are a child. I'm getting way too excited. You're a child of the living God. So you turn to your neighbor a while ago and say, you just might be a, a, a control freak. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a child of the living God. You are a child of the living God. You are a child of the living God. All right, take a seat. Let me give you a few scriptures before we march into number two. Psalm 46.10, many of you could quote, but you probably don't know what it really means. I mean, I've, I've heard it said, be still and know that I'm God. If you were raised in my generation, a lot of the worship courses were right from the book of Psalms. 
And we sung the King James Version, Be still and know I am God. But I'll tell you what be still actually means. It means let go. So let go and know that I'm God. Let go. Let go and know that he's God. When you let go and know that he's God, he said, I'm going to be exalted among the nations. I'm going to be exalted in the earth. Let me add this. He will be exalted in your life. When you let go and know that he's God and you surrender it to God, look at the Kleenex. When you surrender it to God, you know and you begin to let go and know that he's God. Some of you have heard the serenity prayer, but I got a feeling that many of you have heard the serenity prayer. You only know the first part. First part says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Y'all might not know this, but there's a lot more to that prayer that this German guy, Reinhold Niebuhr, penned. I want to read to you the rest of the serenity prayer. Don't, don't scribble it down. You can Google it later. It's all on the internet. Here it comes. Living one day at a time. How many people believe we've got to learn to live one day at a time? Amen? Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Ouch. Taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. There it is. Surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next Amen. The serenity prayer. One more scripture, Romans 8, verse 6. I love this verse. Let it sink in. The mind that is governed by the the flesh is death. You want death? Let your mind be governed by the flesh. But the mind that's governed by the spirit is life and peace. I think you want life and peace. Let your mind be governed by the spirit. Let go of control. Now, here's the deal. You let it go. You bring it to the altar. And you sing. And then you pick it up and you take it home. Am I right? And we get this little ping pong match. Give it to God. Take it back. Give it to God. Take it back. Here's what I believe God wants us to do. To surrender it completely and fully to him once and for all. And so number one, you got to learn. you got to learn. you got to be able to let go of control. And then there's number two. It means learning, learning to be content. Discovering contentment. I mean, I meet many Christians, they haven't discovered contentment. They, they're pursuing it. They're, they're longing for it. If I just have more, if I, if, I, if, I, if I get to know this person, if I go to that place, if I purchase this item, learning to be content is surrender. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 and 12 and 13, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, Paul said. I've learned to be content. It can be learned. Paul learned it. You can learn it. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. This is verse 12. And I know what it's like to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I'm going to read verse 13 because verse 13 is probably one of, if not the most misquoted verses in the Bible. And many people say, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's not what it says. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And the power of that verse 
is the context of that verse. And if you want to understand a verse in the Bible, read the context. It doesn't say, I can do all things through him that gives me strength. I can do all this. I can learn to be content when I make a choice to let Jesus rule and reign in my life. How many people know Jesus is more than enough? Do you believe that today? How many people believe Jesus is all that you need? How many people believe Jesus can satisfy? Come on, Woodville, I'm preaching now. How many people believe Jesus can satisfy your every need. Come on, do you believe that today? Jesus can satisfy your every need, but you've got to learn to be content. Where you are, what you have in your life situation today, stop longing for something, long for more of Jesus in your life. More of Jesus means less of you. And when Jesus has full control, it's all him and it's none of you. So I want to take you now to number three. I'll tell you this one, this one really, really, well, before I get to it, let me read Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still means let go, surrender before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Number three, it means laying down your plants. I mean, stuff happens. I'm one of those guys, get up in the morning, get to the church early. I pull out my day timer and I write down 7 o'clock. This is what I do, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I map out my day and I got to tell you, rarely, in fact, never does it go as I plan. How many people know what that's like? How many people know flat tires happen at the worst time? I mean, they happen on days when you're hostage to the company that will overcharge you. I'm speaking from personal experience. How many people know that the common cold comes at the worst time? I mean, stuff just happens. Now, there are three reasons why you have problems in your life. I'm just being honest. Sometimes it's bad choices. I have some people go, oh, man, it's horrible. My cholesterol is so high. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what to do. Back off on the French fries. I mean, people that they're trying to resist the devil and what they need to do in Jesus' name is resist the fork. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, sometimes in life, we are in our problem because of the choices that we made. And the first thing we need to do is repent of our bad choices and then ask God to help us. God, I messed up. I blew it. I'm my bad, Lord. Not your bad. It's my bad. And I'm just going to surrender and start doing what is right. When you mess up, confess up, then dress up in Jesus' name. Start doing what's right. But there's another reason why problems happen. You need to hear me. There's a devil that's roaming through this world that wants to cripple you in your walk with God, wants to destroy your marriage, wants to mess up your life. But I'm glad to say today that the devil is not seated on a throne. My Jesus is seated on the throne. Greater is Jesus who's in me than the devil who's roaming through this world. If he is for us, who can be against us? Even when the weapon has been formed, my God is greater than any weapon formed against me. In Jesus' name. I don't think you're convinced. My God is greater than any weapon formed against me. In Jesus' name. Sometimes it's bad choices. Sometimes it's because the devil is out to get you. But then there's number three. And the third reason is just stuff happens. It's a broken, bruised world. Bad things happen to good people. And sometimes stuff happens that we just don't get it. And I mean, cancer comes in your body. And I'll tell you, this couple that Evelyn and I know, he served as youth pastor, came, got married in our day. And 
I'll tell you, she's a good living lady, and there's not sin in her life that's met. Come on, you need to hear me. Don't go there. If you didn't have sin in your life, you wouldn't be sick. Bad things happen to good people, and it doesn't seem fair. But stuff happens, and it may not make sense at all. And so we have to lay down our plans and say, God, what's the purpose in this? Bring something good to us. I've got a word for you. John 9, 3. Everyone's arguing why someone is, is blind, and Jesus said, he sinned that his parents sinned. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, problem, church, we have is we look at life from earth's perspective. But God looks at our life from heaven's perspective. You're looking through earth's filter. God is looking through heaven's filter. And heaven's filter is so wide, he sees your yesterday, he sees your today, and he sees your tomorrow. He's got an eternal filter that looks at your life. It might feel like it's bad, but how many people know what the devil meant for destruction? God can turn it around. I said, God can turn it around, and he can bring something good out of it. You believe that today. Give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. What the devil meant for your destruction, God can turn it around and God can bring good. 1 John 3.16. Many of you can quote John 3.16, but can you quote 1 John 3.16? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How about Romans chapter 6 verse 13? Paul said, offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Now look at that Kleenex again. What, what, what are you holding on to? What are you controlling? What is it in your life that that Kleenex represents that you've not yet surrendered to God? I know the answer. I don't want to be an instrument of unrighteousness. I want to be an instrument of righteousness. And the answer is, do you want to be an instrument of righteousness? The answer is, yes, you do. How do you be an instrument of righteousness? Surrender everything to God. Your finances, your health, your marriage, your family, your ambitions. God, I want everything to be your will, not my will be done. I want heaven's will to be manifested in my life today. I want you to be king of every area of my life. Just for the record, when you take control, you will mess it up. But when God takes control, he will take a mess and make something beautiful out of it. The last thing I want to share with you today, before I come to it, I want to read Matthew 6, 13. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. But number four, you probably know this, but you got you to learn to leave the future to God. When you pray the prayer of surrender, you got to leave your future to God. I meet people that are freaking out. I'll never retire. I'm so worried. I'm worried about 20 years down the road. I'm worried about next week. Church, God who's with you today was with you yesterday, and he's already in your tomorrow in Jesus' name. And you got to learn to trust him with your future. Lean on the everlasting arms of God. Matthew 6, 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust Him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, surrender or submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. 
I mean, I love when, when God takes something that, that didn't go the way I thought it was planned. And it feels like it's a, a mess up detour. But God, when I'm going right, God wants me left. He makes me go left. I mean, I mean, here's Jonah. Jonah, who's rebelling from God. And God sends a great big fish to swallow him. God, God went to great lengths to get Jonah on track. And I'm glad that God, when I'm going this way, and God says, no, I want you that way. He'll give me a Holy Spirit detour to get me on track. He loves me so much, he will go to great lengths to close doors that need to be closed and open doors that need to be open. Because he loves me so much, he guides me and he leads me. Somebody say, man, that's the God that I serve. I want to wrap this up with a few more final scriptures. Psalm 37, 18, I can get ready for this one. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care. I got a question. How many people want to live your life under the Lord's care? I do. And when you live your life under the Lord's care, it says their inheritance will endure forever. Look at 19. In times of disaster, they will not wither. And the reason why some of you are withering in your life is you've not surrendered to live in His care. Luke 14, 33. In the same way, those of you who don't give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. And when Jesus said that, hundreds of people left him. But God is saying to the house today, if you want to be his disciple, surrender everything to him. Everything to him. In Mark chapter 10, 29 and 30, truly I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. I don't like the next part, persecutions. Bring on the persecution in Jesus' name. Nobody prays that. Bad things happen to good people. But when we learn to surrender and seek the healer, not the healing, the provider, not the provision. We position ourselves to receive what he wants to do in our life. But the prayer of surrender is when we say, God, I surrender. I wave the white flag. I give this over to you. I want you to stand to your feet if you would. And I want the band to come and join me on the platform. And and I want you to look at that Kleenex that you're holding on to today. Just look at it. What does it represent? What is it that you need to surrender to God today? What is it that you've not fully allowed Jesus to become Lord and King of? Maybe the reason why things aren't coming together is because you've not yet fully surrendered. And there's a song that I honestly thought was only a few years old, but I discovered it's nine years old. And in the world of worship songs, nine years is old, but it's a Chris Tomlin song called White Flag. And I said, Pastor Brad, I want the band to lead. He said, Pastor, there's some on the worship team who never even heard that song before. I said, teach it to them in Jesus' name. I believe that there's an anointing on this song because there's a battle that is raging. And there's a war that's going on. And there's an enemy that's trying to destroy your family, destroy your health, destroy your finances. 
There's a devil that's trying to cripple you in your journey. And God is saying to the house today, raise the white flag and surrender. Surrender it to the Lord. So come on, if you've got something you need to surrender to the Lord, lift up that flag and wave it to the Lord today. And say, I'm, I'm giving this to Jesus today. And as Pastor Brad begins to lead us in this militant song of of raising and waving the white flag, we're going to symbolically surrender all to the Lord. And in a few minutes, we're going to do something even more symbolic. But I want you, Woodville, all that's within you, lift your voice and surrender that to God today as Pastor Brad leads us. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Wave the flag. Surrender it to the Lord. There's a battle that's raging. There's a war that's going on. There's an enemy that's out to try to cripple you and destroy you. But I declare my Jesus is greater, bigger. My Jesus is stronger. He's the king of all. So come on, lift your voice. Let's sing it to the Lord. There's not power in a flag, but there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ. So you muscular man, lift up that cross as high as you can. It's going to take all four of you. It looks easy, but it's not as easy as it thinks. I watched the cross is empty. Jesus was on a cross some 2,000 years ago, but they took him off the cross, put him in the grave, and the grave is empty. Up from the grave, he arose. Jesus is alive. Amen. I felt the Lord 
say to me, get the church to bring their flags and lay them at the cross. And there's a lot of flags laying at the cross. But I felt the Lord say to me, here's how we need to end this service. We need to lift up the cross. We need to lift up his name. We need to declare the name of Jesus Christ in this place. And I, I felt the Lord say, as we sing this song one more time, something is going to break in the house. Because you have surrendered it to the Lord, you've given up your control. Jesus is going to do something amazing in this place today. So come on, all that's within you, before we close, lift your voice. Let's lift up the cross. Let's sing it to the Lord. out, everyone's eyes are closed in these final few moments. Before we go, as we talked about surrender, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Many people in Canada would say yes, but the truth is the only way to God the Father is through His Son, Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Going to church doesn't get you to heaven. It's good to go to church. Reading your Bible doesn't get you to heaven. It's good to read your Bible. You've got to personally ask Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and declare Him as your Savior and Lord. Was there a time and a place that you did that? Do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? You've got no guarantee of the rest of today or tomorrow with this week. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I believe that there's a number of you in the second morning service that you can't answer that question with, yeah, I'm ready for heaven, but you want to be ready for heaven. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand if you'd like to be led in this prayer to ask Jesus to be the center of your life. And by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I, I want to be led in this prayer. I want to be ready for heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to be ready for heaven. I I want to be led in this prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to count to three. And if you'd like to be led in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand up. By lifting your hand up, you're just letting me know, Pastor, 
I want to be included in this prayer. I want Christ in my life. I want to be ready for heaven. So one, two, three. If that's you, you just lift your hand high as you can. Thank you for your honesty all across this place. Hands are going up. You put your hand down. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. We're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. Today, I declare you as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's party time, Woodville. Celebrate salvation. Celebrate salvation. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. If you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd honestly be honored if you joined us in the journey. On your way out, there's a big wall in the lobby. You see the word follow. Drop by. we got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. It's free. we got a class they can tell you about on Wednesday nights to help you in your new faith journey. If you know someone that's searching for Christ, bring them to Alpha. It's in the bulletin. This is your church. Get in a connect group. We'd love to get you in a connect group. Over 70 connect groups across the city. This is your church. Find your place of serving. Go to the serve wall. If you're our guest, can we one more time thank all of our guests for coming today? And I, I want to invite our guests to go to the guest lounge and let us bless you. Father, thank you for our time this morning. And as we walk out, may we walk out fully surrendered to you. I pray the word would sink deep in our hearts. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Bless all of our wonderful leaders that have been with our children this morning. We just pray blessing on them as well. And pray for a great week in Jesus' name. Nobody whispered. Everybody said, amen. God bless you. Let's, let's leave singing this song, Pastor, if we could.